Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again this week with me for Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, today, I have an interesting guest, uh, Javon Wooden, and uh, he brings a, a quite a combination of um, different specialties together that I think will um, allow us to have a great conversation today. So, Javon, welcome. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Roxanne. It's a pleasure to be here. So let me tell you a little bit about him, a, a bit from his bio. He's a coach and a growth strategist speaker, author, and an army veteran, which I think is quite fascinating. And he, he's passionate about leadership, growth strategy, and helping motivate leaders and businesses achieve their goals. He has a, a interested in the degree in cybersecurity. That's going to be an interesting um, <laughs> thing to do uh, to kind of understand a little bit of and how you bring that to his work. He um, went to Smith uh, School of Business and also Fordham University as well. Um, and he draws on his 12 years of experience in the military. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, so were you like, I'm going to use the word brat and I hope I'm allowed to do that. Did you grow up in a, an army family, um, Javon? Like a family that w was in the military always? No, I didn't actually. So I did have an uncle um, and an aunt that were in the military. That was about the extent of our, our, our military history. Uh, but my journey into the military it was more of out of I felt like it was out of necessity you know I was struggling before that finding my footing you know Rochester New York growing up there there wasn't a lot of opportunities so um, the military actually interesting enough came to me while I was working um, I was working two jobs at that time and someone there was moonlighting I was actually a trash guy at the hospital they called them environmental services to make yes. it sound good but I did the trash right um, and someone there he was actually an army recruiter he said you should come down to the to the station and I was about uh, I think I was 21 at that time Ooh. I was like, why not? So that, that was a Saturday. On Monday, I was at the recruiting station taking the ASVAB test, which is the aptitude test. Um, and the rest is history. Wow. So you said at the time, of course, you're 21. So you're young, right? And um, that's quite the swing, right? Like you go, I think at, at that age, you know, especially we're trying to figure out things at that particular point. And um, that's quite the switch. So when you went and you, you started, what was it like? for you? Uh, it, it was actually very eye-opening uh, for me because I've got, I got to see what I was made of, so to speak. So I understood that, you know, coming up, you're poor, you know, you don't really feel like you have any resources or anything to offer the world. Um, but that was the, the paradigm shift for me. So I realized that I had a lot to offer the world. Um, and there was a lot more world outside of Rochester, New York, right, in, in mm -hmm. poverty, as it stands. So I was able to start getting into leadership positions, even starting from basic training, right? They put you in leadership roles. They challenge you mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and I just saw that, you know, this was something that I was more than capable of doing. And then connecting with people from so many different backgrounds also allowed me to see the power of collaboration. You know, I, I, I often think, and I, I know I've heard this a lot, they say that um, in the military, the first thing they make you do is make uh, make your bed. 
because that's about the incremental small, you know, and trust me, when I'm crawling out of bed, sometimes I think, and I've never been anything close to be in anything military, right? <laughs> I grew up in the Caribbean, a big family, you know, those types of things, but nothing like the structure that, but I remember hearing that. And I've heard that a couple of times they, that um, they say that if you can get up and do something vitally as small as making your bed, that that sets the stage on a on a, a mindset kind of space for the rest of your day. Would you kind of say that that's that makes sense, or is that, is that something that um, you you were exposed to um, in in the military? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I forgot the admiral's name that said that speech that's now famous, but yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And they didn't just want you to make the bed. They wanted you to make it so they can bounce a quarter off that thing, right? So, okay, so I wouldn't I have done so well with that. Right, <laughs> right, <today>. right. <laughs> Not so well. Had the Not 45 so degree well. angles on the bed and you tuck it. Like, yeah, there was a, a standard. Like, there was a standard for everything. Uh, and now those standards are now applied in my life. And I still wake up, still hit the gym, you know, early, still want to have those, those wins. Still, I'm very routine. Right. And I think that that's that was a benefit of the military. A lot of people are like, how do you get things done? How do you get so much done? I'm like, Because I'm very routine. Right. I have time management standards. I know before the day even starts what I need to be doing, um, how I need to prepare for, you know, unforeseen circumstances. All that stuff is, is something I've learned in the military and I still apply it to the day. Let's talk a little bit about that, right? Like you said, you grew up, um, you know, maybe I don't know if you had as much structure at home. You grew up around kind of the, you know, where there was poverty. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes like when we're just trying to kind of get past the poverty, it's kind of hard to think about mentally, how do I get past this in my mind, right? And you, you enter the military and then you realize, wow, this this thing that we have a mind, that we have called a mind is very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Were there times that you kind of, because I know they're tough on you, you know, they're rough on you. Like, I mean, I had friends, I would, I mean, when I would run when I would be, young, be younger and they'd be yelling at me and I want to turn around and tell them, you know, don't yell at me. I'm, be, I'm trying to breathe. Right. And, right. you know, things that you see kind of with limited exposure, of course, myself, but knowing that there's a certain toughness that I think they start to prod at you as soon as you get in. Oh, absolutely. Before you even get off the bus, as your bus arrives, they're hopping on the bus, hitting the glass, you know, yelling at you, doing all stuff. But, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, Roxanne, none of that phased me. <laughs> you know, none okay. of that phased me. Um, and it didn't phase me because I knew why I was there. I, you know, before I understood the concept of finding your why, I knew my why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really, really faced with some some terrible circumstances back home, right? Um, so I was, I had uh, faced seven years in prison while I was 17. By the grace of God, I didn't have to do that. They just put me on probation instead and allowed me to oh. graduate high school and, and try to change my life around. Um, but I just wasn't on a good path. And then, you know, I had tried college, couldn't afford it. So I had to go back home, try Buff State, which is close to your your hometown, yes. right? Your yes. home where you're at now, I mean. Um, and I, I couldn't afford it. So I came back and that's when I decided to work for two jobs so I wouldn't get in trouble. Because it's really easy when you don't have a perspective of options, of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You think that the only way is this one way, right? Um, and that's how a lot of people get caught up today. It's not that they're bad people. And that's what I always understand. I do a lot of work in the prisons. But it's not that people are bad people. They just feel like there's no other way, right? And when your back is against the wall, you're willing to virtually do whatever it takes to get off that one. Um, so uh, what I did was 
thankful God placed this guy in my life, right? That that came to me and said I'd be good candidate for the army. Uh, but mm-hmm. prior to that, you know, things were really tough. You know, my mom was always working uh, to provide for us. Uh, you know, I grew up actually raised in a polygamous household. My mom was wife number two, and her husband bounced between each household. He would rotate days, so I had this concept, this this idea of life as it stood, and I knew I didn't want any of that. So I would have done whatever the drill sergeant said. I was willing to do it. Um, and then yelling at me, I didn't hear it. I smiled, you know, because I felt like, okay, this is my chance, right? They, they're paying attention to me for one, right? So they believe in me. That's how I looked at it. They believe that I had more than I thought in myself. Um, so I was able to push through whatever it was. Um, I remember when I first arrived, um, we started doing combatives. That's like when you do your jujitsu and your hand-to-hand fighting and all that stuff. And I was really good. I was really good at it. But there was one time there was like a bunch of matches going on at one time. And I was rolling to throw someone back with a, with a toss. And someone came and crashed into my ankle. So I tore ligaments in my ankle. Um, I thought I was done. And in the military, when you go in basic training, if you get injured, if you can't perform, they'll just keep you there, right? Until either they send you home on medical uh, leave or uh, or they, they just let you recover. I was like, I don't want either. <laughs> you know, one, I don't want to go home because this is something I really want to do. And then two, I just did not want to get restarted. We were already, I think we were about five weeks in. Um, and it's like, I think it's nine weeks out of basic. So I was like, I definitely don't want to restart because that's what would have happened because I couldn't finish mm-hmm. with that. So I just pushed through it. Um, I did my PT test with it, you know, and I, I had crutches like the day before week PT test. My drill sergeant was so upset with me. He's like, what the heck? What, what is wrong with you? Why did you do? You know, but I, I passed. And what what that showed me was, you know, yes, mental, mental toughness, mental fortitude is one. But that why will carry you through so much pain and anguish. And you would be surprised at what you can accomplish right through it all. I mean, that's what I tell everybody today. Like resilience comes from adversity. You can't build resilience if you don't face anything. So, um, you know, I, I took all that stuff in stride and, and now here I am today speaking to you. Amazing. And, you know, how powerful, right? Like you've lived, now you're saying by 17, you got in, involved with the law. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I've heard the word, um, somebody I was uh, doing an interview, they call it a spiritual accident. Uh, it sounds like, you know, you ran into this man who said, you know, why don't you all of a sudden out of nowhere, right? And then you you just pick it up and then you yes. go and you open this, you know, huge vein in your life. And, mo- you know, some kids at your age would say, oh, no, nope, not me. <laughs> Check it <laughs> yes. out. But you, you said you got connected to your why then. So mm-hmm. what, tell me what steps, what things kind of started to kind of kick in for you. Like you said, you didn't want to go back home because there wasn't the uncertainty. There wasn't the certainty there. There was the mm-hmm. poverty. There was the polygamy. Like you said, clearly I, I knew this wasn't the fit for me. Right. Right. What, so, what so did the, the tenaciousness um, in the military, how did it make you connect with, and you're doing amazing things obviously now to this why? Well, thank you. Yeah. It, it connected me. Um, you know, one, it connected me because here I was, everyone was like, oh, you're crazy. You're going to the military, you know, this and that. And they had their own fears that they would project on them. Right. Um, so that's one thing, like when you're willing to step out and do something that no one else has done around you, 
they are going to protect their fears. They think they're protecting me, but they're not. So that was one thing I had to get over. The fact that I got over that and I said, yes, I'm going. Um, mm -hmm. I don't care what y'all say. Um, that that alone gave me strength. Um, but the second thing was I'm the middle child of five kids. And, you know, looking at my sisters, um, it, it, it was no way that I could allow myself to fail. Right. And one of the things I carry with me uh, from that time in that prison or that jail cell, right, was the picture of my mother and my older sister coming to visit me when I was in those, you know, it, it said Monroe County Jail on the back. And looking around and seeing that everyone looked like me. Mm -hmm. And here I was about to be another statistic with the pain and anguish of my mother and my sister's face looking at me, staring at me. Mm -hmm. um, and my mother said one thing through that whole visit. She said she put the house up for me. She put the house up so she could get me a lawyer, right? So that told me my value. That told me that it wasn't, no matter what society said, the falling, the loss, all that stuff, uh, angry black man, another statistic, none of that mattered to me in that moment. So when I went up to my cell that night, that's really, I feel like, where, where the paradigm shift took place because I no longer looked at myself as valueless because I said, at least these two, if no one else values, the people I care about most value me. So that's when I asked God to just get me out, like, give me another chance. I don't know what I would do with it. I don't know what resources I have, but I will make the best of it. And that's, you know, a couple of years later down the road, I end up getting this opportunity. Um, so all that stuff played in my mind the whole time through basic and still plays in my mind clearly now. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and it's something I talk about when I do my speeches. It's something I talk about when I do training and development. Right. Um, and what that showed me was after all this, the rest is easy. <laughs> you know, if I'm struggling in business, if I'm struggling, you know, with whatever else, it's, it's not a life threatening thing. Anymore, right. And that's mm -hmm. the, the most important thing to me is life. Um, and I appreciate it. I'm so grateful for it that everything I went through basic training was just another stepping stone. No matter how bad it hurt when I was running, no matter how bad my lungs were burning, no matter how you know tough it was to climb those ropes, whatever they was throwing at me, I took it with a smile because I knew that it was another step forward to changing the life, not just for me, but for the people I love. Absolutely, you know, and in my work when I was practicing, you know, that's what I found, you know, most kids or young people, all they need is one, I call it an inoculative factor, right? Like the one person in the world that really thinks you're all that, right? Like, yes. and and yes. it doesn't matter who it is. Like it's it's ideally if you have it to your parents or whatever, but unfortunately in the world and, and kind of when I was practicing, um, many people didn't have that, Javon. And, you know, that that space that when one person says, you know, I see you, and you have value, which is clearly what your mom and your sister did for you that, you know, and, and again, at that point, I would say, you know, some people go left and some people go right. It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that that sparks that big light bulb in that person where they really go and resonate with it. And in this case, you know, you did. And for any, you know, younger people that may be listening to this, um, I'm sure they'll say, well, you know, well, you're special, Javon, like you, you know. Um, what what would you say to someone listening that may be struggling and saying, well, yeah, well, you, you must be just special guy that somehow mm -hmm. you figured things out. What would you say to someone like that that might be having those questions in their mind as they listen to our podcast? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. I love when people, um, you know, say, oh, you must be special. You know, someone, you know, someone helps you, someone favors you. And, and to that, I would say, well, you're special too, right? I can't do life like you and you can't do it like me. Right? We all walk our journeys differently. But one thing that remains the same, that what we all have is the same amount of time. And if you have that same amount of consistency and same amount of tenacity, things will start going for you. One thing I always tell people is like, nothing I've accomplished has been easy. Nothing you probably accomplished, Roxanne, has been easy, right? People look at success and they think that it was just something that, you know, only certain people can do. But it's not the case. The, the case remains that success, whatever your destination of it is possible, but it's going to take failure to get there. It's going to take going through the bottom of the bottom of your times, you know, having moments where you just feel like you can't live in it. It's what you do when you hit that rock bottom. That's what makes the difference between a successful and those who really, they die at that moment right? because they just, they can't recover, right? So it's up to you. I would say it's up to you to decide, to understand that you are special too. It's just a matter of what you do with your specialness. And I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, what I always say to people, um, even what I coach or speak today is that I truly believe that all is coming up with as a bright light, but that life pricks and prods and tarnishes, tarnishes us. And then we have mm -hmm. to do the work um, to reconnect to that light because that light mm -hmm. can't ever be taken away from you in any, any sense. Um, and yes, it's tough. And I mean, I, I went through as well, uh, my first book, which is, uh, was written eight years ago, Javon, I took my, um, my own life and I know people would, you know, not want to talk to a person like me generally. And I said, you know, I'm going to demystify what it is to really get help. And I looked at myself from birth. So I, there was uncertainty with my parents didn't have a, a good situation and there were six of us. And I, I pretended like I was therapizing myself and I deconstructed wow. everything from birth all, to, all the way up to age 44. And at age 44, I had been married for 25 years and I had gone through a pretty um, brutal separation. And, you know, I show people, you know, you see me at this point and you have no idea, right, um, what I went through. And you're only seeing the person either on stage or when they're coaching or training or whatever. But we all have a backstory. And it's what we do um, based on what we've been through and what we can't, when we, like you said, when we force ourselves, when we're deep and low and things aren't so good, that's, that's the big, biggest growth in adversity, in my opinion. And clearly it's something that, you, you know, you experience being in a jail cell, you know, you could have gone the other way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the concept of that book. And that sounds amazing. Um, yeah. And it's something that, uh, yeah, I, I like that because, you know, it allows people to put their their selves in it to show empathy really put themselves mm -hmm. in that position as well and to understand that oh you know this person that i look at and, and hold in high esteem they've gone through some things right mm -hmm. they didn't just wake up and, and get successful or they didn't wake up and become uh, a thought leader whatever the case may be right they've gone through some things and you will continue to go through things that's life and mm -hmm. we also have to understand that you know life is 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 counterbalanced right we go through joys and we go through pain, but we wouldn't know joy if we didn't know pain, right? And we have to understand it. So a lot of us feel like you're supposed to be perpetually happy. That is not going to happen, right? And, and if you were, you wouldn't appreciate it. So we, we have to take those hard moments 
and see what lessons could be learned and what can be applied from them because that's where the growth happens. I mentioned earlier, without resilience, without adversity, you can't have resilience. And resilience mm -hmm. is what a lot of people have. And they lack it because they they just feel like they're supposed to, they're entitled to, to happiness and joy all the time. Well, if you have that mindset, you can no longer see, you know, the growth points, right? You can no longer see that 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 adversity is actually temporary. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, you people ask, like, what, you know, what is this for? Why me? Well, maybe the why you is not for you to understand, but for you to help someone else understand. So I learned that, you know, the, the adversity I faced, I have no idea why it took place in that moment. But I do know that I can now use that as a part of my purpose and share that with others that, hey, no matter where, how low you are, there's an opportunity for you to get back up. Right. And we see people reinvent themselves time and time and time again. So we can't say that this is a permanent thing. The moment we think we have we have a permanent situation here and we're always going to be in that pain, you lost everything. So you got to get out of that. You got to dig yourself up, whatever that means, therapy, you know, coaching, you know, self-recognition and just and just do the work. Because that's that's what a lot of people are afraid of, that work, that introspection, the hard questions asked of themselves, you know, being vulnerable, all those things are necessary to achieve whatever your definition of success is. Now, you're, tell us about your leadership work, because I, I would think that um, your story is powerful, right? Um, and how it applies to leadership and the things that you teach, because I'm thinking about, you know, Leaders are put in these positions, you know, and with my new book, I talk a lot about that where mm -hmm. we expect them to lead, um, but we don't look at them. They, we, you know, we don't look at the who they need to be in the world in order to lead effectively. We just think they right. have it figured out. So tell me about some of the, the core principles that you kind of incorporate based on the things you've been through and some of the military into your uh, leadership work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything that I, I coach on and I talk about in my keynotes and I train and develop on is centered around one thing, and that's empathy. Right? I believe that empathy is, is one of the key components to being a successful leader. Because if you cannot put yourself in that person's position and you do not understand that purpose person on a deeper level, it's going to be very hard for you to understand what motivates them, to for them to feel comfortable talking to you, to understand what resources they need to be um, perform at a high level. Um, and you're not going to know their baseline. So as a leader, you have to know your people's baselines. How do they typically perform? What's their temperament? You know, um, you know, what, what is the, do they have family? You know, all those things, because it all ties together into getting the most out of that team or that person. So that's where I, I come together and I create, you know, custom trainings for, for my clients. Um, whether it's with their teams or leaderships or an individual. Um, and mm -hmm. I feel like I, I have to do custom because there's no one size fits all approach. Some people may think it's communication is the root cause when it's actually because the leader has no empathy. Right? Right. The leader doesn't care what that person is going through. He's like, get it done. Um, and that's something a lot of the industries I, I, I'm in now, like construction and, and, um, the electrical services, oil and gas that I speak to, it's the same way as the military, right? They're like, get it done. I don't care what's wrong with you. I don't care that you're hurt, you know, whatever's going on. I don't want to, I don't need to know any of that, right? Um, when that's absolutely not not true. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of leaders listening are like, I don't have time to learn all this about my team. Well, yes, you do. Because if you do not learn at least the people you are leading, 
what's going to happen is you're going to have a high uh, employee attrition rate, right? They're going to be turning over like crazy. You're not going to know why. Mm -hmm. um, your surveys are going to be skewed right? because people just don't feel comfortable um, giving things. So you're going to see people saying, oh, great, 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 when it's really not. They just don't want to be, they don't feel like it's actually anonymous. So they don't want to provide their feedback, right? Um, there's so much that goes wrong if you just treat people like uh, a, a billet or, or a job versus a person, right? So um, what that looks like is different from everyone, from every company. And then a lot of leaders don't really know what their strengths are. They feel like they have to be this one person, but it's not authentic. So then they struggle, right? Then they get put on a, an employee uh, an improvement plan and all this other stuff. They're watch tight. So now they really can't lead. So now they struggle even more. So um, there's a lot to it, but that's really what I focus on is, is that getting that empathy in there so we can get people wanting to stay at a company so we can get them evangelizing from an employee perspective so we can get them feeling like they can provide uh feedback that actually helps, not just a survey that's not really adding anything, right? So there's a number of different ways we can do that, but that's what I love to focus on. Yeah, and with my second book, that's what I talk about because I talk I talk nice. about OR, right? Which is return on relationship. Yes. If you really get things like, you, as the leader, if you get things like your understanding how you like to be recognized and, and how you take care of yourself and how you communicate and how you connect and you know how do you validate people around you, you got to start with yourself first, right, Javon, to yeah. your point. If I don't know, yeah, if I don't know how, what I'm about internally um, and I'm not reading cues within myself, then in turn, it could be people can be kind of up, you know, kind of dying on the vine right around me and I'm not mm -hmm. connected, um, understanding them. And to your point, then, you know, you might you might be able to get quote unquote things done. But if people, if you're quietly, you know, the whole concept of quiet quitting that started um, to come up around the pandemic, you know, what percentage of your people are you just not even telling you how bad of a leader you are, yes. <laughs> but they're yes. using their feet, right? They're going to your competitors or they're just like, you know, just deciding they're just not staying. Um, and uh, clearly, I think a lot more people are wanting that alignment at work, right? Whereas, you know, I would think like years ago in corporate when I was in, it was kind of like, you know, you know just I don't want to hear about your personal life that's all good and well and good you just give me what you need and 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 we kind of march around along like quite unquote, quote unquote like soldiers and then ultimately a lot of people were so burnt out you mm -hmm. know short-term long-term disability claims were through the roof you're getting about you know 65 percent um you know of their uh performance and so you weren't getting the whole version of themselves so to your point as a leader if a leader is able to be empathetic and kind. And, you know, that's that doesn't mean that they don't have to lead. They have to Absolutely. lead, but they, they, they come from yeah. a core space of coming from the heart. Absolutely. Yeah, we have to understand, like a lot of people hear the word empathy and they think it equates to soft or, or not ineffective, right? We have to understand that empathy really is being tactful in your leadership, right? Not treating people as people, um, treating people how they deserve to be treated, not how you want to treat them, but how you how they deserve to be treated, um, and being honest, right? being open and honest. I and mean, I think that that is one of the great benefits of empathetic leadership is you're open and honest, not in a nasty way. You're mm -hmm. open and honest. You're able to give people feedback, and they value that. People want that. People want to know how they can be better, how they can get promoted, how they can do all of that. That transparency comes from empathy because you understand that if I was in their position, I would want to know all of this, 
right? Mm-hmm. I would want to know what's going into the company. I would want to know how my jobs and my goals tie into the company's greater goals, right? So you start to think about that and you reverse engineer what that process and those systems look like. And next thing you know, you have a company operating, you know, running on all cylinders because you're putting in those things naturally. Right? You're not struggling to figure it all out because you understand and you're looking at it from their standpoint. And you mentioned that feedback, Roxanne. Feedback is key, right? If I'm operating in a vacuum as a leader and I'm not going down to that level to talk to my people and understand what they need to, to be effective and to feel good and to get motivated, then I'm not a leader, right? At least I'm not an effective man. I'm just right. I might, I might get people to <laughs> yeah. pretend they're, they're following they're right. me, but, they, <laughs> they're right. but I, I often say is when they lead, when um, you know, when you have, you said evangelizing was the word you use, but when mm-hmm. you have people, um, you know, I think of the most um, amazing boss that I ever had in my life. I would have done anything for him because he was just he. I know he cared about me, yes. right, as a person, right? Yes, I was an executive and I had you know, profitability statements to, to keep up and all that stuff. But he would see me and he'd say, Hey, Durhod, like, you know, cause he knew me so well. He'd say like, Oh geez, here comes Durhod. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> hi, hi. And you know, cause I knew it was an endearing kind of, yeah, how absolutely. you doing, you know? And absolutely. it was a, as a fun, playful thing. And clearly he had some skills that were mad high level for his time, like 20, 25 years ago. And to this day, you know, when you think about it and when people, when you ask anybody that, and when I do my keynotes, I say, think of the best leader that you've ever had. And most people immediately could at least bring up minimally one, at least two people. And you see that the whole a kind of affect just kind of lift and they, because they're thinking of that person, because that person had such a powerful impact on them. Absolutely. Yes, we all have that. And, that, and that's the leaders listening. You know, that's an exercise that they can do from time to time, right? To say, okay, what characteristics and what traits do I have, right? That I that I would want someone to say, hey, I want to be like that person. I love the way I, that leader does this, right? So mm-hmm. there's there's questions you can ask yourself. And, and often as leaders, part of that empathy is being empathetic to yourself. So giving yourself that space to uh, do that work, do that introspection, right? And, and mm-hmm. reflect. Because oftentimes we think we got to be going, 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 going. The best leaders always had time to process and, and decompress. Even Steve Jobs, who was running Pixar and Apple at the same time, he always talked about how he would take walks, right? He would, his meetings, he would walk, right? Because mm-hmm. he understood that he could process things better and he was sharper in those moments. You know, a lot of the great um, theorists and, 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 and um, ph- philosophers and all that, they would take naps, right? Because it allowed them to process and get to a deeper level. So we just got to find out what that means in this busy world we're in today. And ask yourself some key questions, you know? How do you foster growth and development as you lead? You know, what are some of your strengths and how can you make sure you're leveraging them at the the fullest extent? You know, what situations do you feel confident and what situations do you feel a little uncertain, right? Be real with that so that you you can be honest about that and project that honesty out to your people. You know, it's interesting because you and I, we, we clearly t- um, talk a- around the same areas because in my book, I talk, there's an assessment that I do with leaders. And then I say, okay, yes, how well do you think you do? And then their teams do the same assessment and we collate the information to create the uh, leadership uh, learning and development plan for them. And oftentimes they're like, what? They don't think I communicate well. I think I'm at a eight out of 10 <laughs> and I'm getting like a three. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. And so I think it takes, you know, 
it takes a leader that's willing to say, you know, I know there's, we all have blind spots. That's what being human yes. and flawed is, but being able to say, you know, I'm trying to get better and I need your help with it. But that takes, goes away from the autocratic kind of, I'm going to tell you verse, what to do versus, you know what, I'm trying to learn. I will trying to lead shoulder to shoulder, but this, new, this thing's kind of new for me. <laughs> I'm not so sure how to do it, um, but you can really help me along by, by helping me out because you see me in a, in a different light and you might be able to give me guidance around what I, you know, when I'm not stressed, what I'm really, really good at, but when I'm stressed, you know, kind of what happens for me, you know, and I think once you start to kind of have that dialogue, I think that's when, you know, a lot of connection and growth can happen with leaders and ultimately people around them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that you mentioned that word dialogue, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that's so important as a leader, because a lot of leaders talk but they don't have the dialogue, right? They're just spewing all this stuff. So, you know, as a leader, we also have to step back and listen a little more and, and not listen while we're doing a ton of other things, right? Be engaged in a conversation, show respect for those people that are, are speaking with you. Um, and when they do provide that feedback, you know, let them know, like, you appreciate it. Whatever that is, you don't have to belittle them if you don't think it's good, whatever. See, I always say to people, find the jewels in the message. Mm -hmm. Right. No matter if if I have a, a, a client that says they're not satisfied with the deliverable, I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to say, OK, let me understand. Why. Right. You know, tell me tell me more about your feelings. And, you know, tell me what you would want done differently. Right? Whatever the case is. Right. Try to find out. Get more information because you get more information from the the, the failures and shortcomings than you will from the wins. Um, so we have to remember that as leaders. You're not going to be, there's no such thing as perfection. Perfection to me is doing the best that you can in that moment. Right? And that means that perfection changes. So just use that information and use that data and apply it to be better. Now you have a book. Let's talk about the book briefly and tell them, tell people listening um, a bit about it and where they can uh, get a hold of it, Javon. Absolutely. So my book is called Own Your Kingdom, How to Control Your Mindset So You Control Your Destiny. Uh, and I wrote this book to kind of give some of the tools that I use to overcome everything that I've experienced in my life um, and all the adversity that I've faced. Um, so it's not just a book that you read and sit down. It's actually a reference guide. Um, and it's a workbook with 30 plus exercises that you can use, right? Goal setting, um, creating an action plan for success, forgiving yourself, right? And start with that clean slate um, because a lot of us really, really get stuck in the past so we can't move forward. Um, so there's a ton of different things that I, I, I wanted to put in here. And it kind of came from um, an event that happened in 2016 while I was in Afghanistan. It was a, a suicide bombing there that killed some of my comrades um, on Veterans Day that year. So it took me a while myself to get over that because, you know, you have um, survivor's remorse and all these things you go through. Um, and they gave me a bronze star for getting people aid and help and all this other stuff. And that, that actually caused more damage for me because I'm like, I don't want this freaking thing. I just want them back. Right? So, uh, so I had to do all these things that I put in this book to get to the point where I could continue to live because I was, I was dead at that time. I was dead inside. Um, started mm -hmm. having suicidal ideations and all these other things. And I realized that I was a shell of myself. But to get myself back, I had to own my kingdom. Right? And the kingdom for me is is a, a triad. Right? So you got your spiritual, you got your mental, and your physical. 
Um, and when you have all those things in alignment, that center, you become focused, right? You you have a goal, you have a destination, you have a purpose. So that's what this book is really about, getting you back to that center. Amazing, amazing. Where where can people get a hold of it? Yeah, so they can get it on Amazon. If they search uh, On Your Kingdom, it should pop up. You can also get a, a signed copy on my website, brightmindconsultinggroup.com. So what I want you to do is, Leaders that are listening and they're thinking, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know where to start, Javon. Like, I, I want to be more empathetic, and but you know, it's that kind of word. You know, we're hearing about a lot about it. Like you said, it's kind of warm and fuzzy and fluffy. Mm -hmm. What might be a couple of tips that you might be able to tell them to consider to get started? Yeah, one of my favorite things um, is taking it back to what we did as kids and, and loved, which is stories. Storytelling is one of my favorite things, and it's the greatest way to tap into the um, So if you can just, it doesn't even have to be your stories. Um, it's just like whatever's going on in your team. For instance, if I want to motivate my team, maybe I find a motivational story that will resonate with my team. I mean, I just, I just come at it, right? I just come and say, hey, once upon a time, right? You don't have to start like that. Just tell the story. Like, hey, team, I know we've been struggling. Um, you know, I've been here before, and I want you to know I'm here for you. Like back then, you know, so-and-so believed in me and I believe in you the same way that did. And what that did for me was X, right? I'm here now because mm -hmm. of that. And I'm hoping that this um, will, will motivate some of you all and help some of you all through. And I want you to know that I'm here. So whatever you need, let me know. That's it. Like those types of things will tap in. Um, and in another way that you can use that to forge those emotional connections is listen to other people's stories. And one of the exercises that I like to do with leaders is instead of telling our story, we use like photos, right? And people love this. We do like a, a quick little PowerPoint slide. They gather a couple of, uh, you know, photos before and it, we tell our story with photos. People love that because it, it taps into all aspects of how you learn and how you engage, right? Mm -hmm. So you got the, the visual, and then you got the audible with someone talking to you, you know, you, you get to feel like you're there. So um, you just got to find what works for you. There's a million different exercises, but the, the key is to be authentic with it. Um, but tap in, like get those stories and just listen to your people and see where they are. Why do they choose to work this job? Why do they choose to be in this role? What gets them up in the morning? Listen first, and then you can and start telling your stories to to get them going. Um, that's it's the easiest thing to do is to just sit there. I love it. I love you know, it. And, and, yeah. and you can call one of them meetings, right? If you want to make people feel secure, um, just tell them like, "Hey, you're not in trouble. I just want to get to know you a little bit as as a leader." Right? Um, we haven't done this at, uh, in a while, or we haven't done this other, but I want to turn over a new leaf. Right? I want to make sure I become a better leader, and I need your help simple as that now you can get them and talk to them they will open up once you give them that space absolutely well this has been amazing an amazing chat so where can people get a hold of you like if they're wanting more um either to have you speak or to you know um have a chat with you about your coaching where can they get a hold of you javon Absolutely. So brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Uh, feel free to schedule a free consultation with me. Um, I'm, I'm there. All of my socials are there as well. Or you can hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Javon Wooden. You'll see a light bulb there. Uh, and just reach out to me. Send me a DM. I'd love to talk to you. Awesome. So what am I walking away with? Um, you know, so many, so many um, um, nuggets that I've gotten from Javon today. But I guess the 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 thing that uh, is resonating with me with him is that um, he found his leadership through adversity, and and I want you to think 
where what's your core principle for how you're leading the way you do and if you haven't thought about that try to find a way whether it's movement or quiet to get connected and spend a bit of time of thinking about what is my why you know and really start to think a little bit more about that and if you know if you do it the first day and it doesn't come that's okay just keep tapping into that and eventually it will come. So for everybody, thanks for hanging out with us today. Um, you know that my new book, um, ROR, Return on Relationships, has been uh, published. If you'd like a copy, you can go to Amazon uh, to get a copy. Or if you'd like, Javon said, if you want a signed copy, you can get one through my website. Again, Javon, thanks so much for your time. And for everybody, you know, it's been, goodness, over 290 episodes and our following is growing. So thanks so much for hanging out and we'll see you again next week. Take care. Thank you so much, Roxanne, for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.